Hey, we're in a series of messages over one of the most famous, if I can say that, chapters in all the Bible. It's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. I don't like that name because Hall of Fame puts emphasis on the people. The emphasis is not on the people. The emphasis is on faith. Even though it says, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Moses, by faith Joseph, by faith Joshua, so forth and so on, the, the emphasis is not on the person. It's on the, the faith of that person. And, and by faith they were able to do something. And we've said through the first two weeks of this that faith works. You know, faith works. There's a dichotomy in Scripture, and some people say, well, I have faith and I have works. You ask most everyday uh, Joes and Johns as, as you walk down, if they're go, uh, walk down the street and ask them if they're going to heaven, and they say yes, and you ask them why, they'll give you a works answer. And that's exactly what James said. Now, James says some people have faith, some people have works. But James says, no, faith works. Faith works out in your life. And so in the Hall of Fame of faith, of faith, you have by faith and you have a name of somebody and then you have a verb because faith did something. By faith, Enoch offered a better sacrifice. By faith, Noah built an ark. Faith works. Paul talks about faith demonstrating itself in love. If somebody has faith and does, that is not demonstrated in their life in any way on the authority of God's word, not being judgmental, even one iota, I ask you, is that biblical faith that doesn't show up in your life? It will show up imperfectly, but it must show up. By faith, Jeff. By faith, Paula. By faith, Jim, by faith, Karen, by faith. And that's what we have all the way through Hebrews chapter 11. Faith works. If you say you're a Ohio State fan, but you never go to the games, you never watch them on TV, you never read about them on the newspaper, uh, I, have, I wonder if you're really a Ohio State fan. It's not demonstrated in your life in any way. I mean, that's common sense. If you, oh, I love to sew, but I never sew, though. I never read about sewing. I never watch sewing on TV. But I love to sew. But see, that, we all laugh at that. But some people have faith, but there doesn't seem to be any exhibition of that in their life. And James says that, that kind of faith is what, church? Dead. Dead. James says, you believe in God? James basically says, big deal. Even the demons do that. See, it's not believing in God that counts. It's believing God. It's taking him at his word. It's, it's standing on his promises. That's the deal. 90% of the people in the world believe in God. The demons believe in God, and at least they have enough reverential fear of God, the Scripture say, says, and they shudder. See, 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 this faith works out in our lives. And so each week we've been, we've been, we said, by faith, Abel, and then we said, by faith, Enoch. And this week I would have gone to, by faith Noah, but I would have skipped 11.6. And I don't want to skip 11.6, even though 11.6 doesn't say by faith somebody did this. But I just can't, 
I, I, we can't skip this verse. Hebrews eleven six said, without faith, it is impossible. It doesn't say it's hard. It doesn't say you can't do it too much. It says it is flat out impossible to please God. Well, I stopped cussing. Well, only if you did that by faith. I mean, I can stop cussing in my own flesh. I can stop drinking in my own flesh. I can stop drinking. I can stop smoking in my own flesh. Big deal. I can, I can just grit my teeth and do that. People do it all, every day. What happens in your life and what happens in my life by faith, that's challenged me. What happens in my life that I can only attribute to my faith in God, that is what's challenged me as I've read through Hebrews 11 preparing for these messages. What in my life is God? And you cannot attribute it to anything else, but God did that in my life. Because, you know, after all, I can do a lot in my life. I mean, I can. I can, I can make a lot of things happen. You can too. Be careful what you want because you just might get it because you work hard enough and get it. But what, what, what happens in your life by faith? That's a challenge for me. So the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, we, we speculate that it's Paul. It may have been. It may not have been. But the writer says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Other translations will say diligently seek him. That's not a Christmas and Easter thing. That's not a Sunday morning thing. Who diligently seek him. Who earnestly you buy a house and you put down earnest money. That means you, you're, you intend, you have this good faith money that you're going to follow through. You're earnest about this. But the writer was inspired not to write, he rewards those who seek him. He was inspired to write, he rewards those who earnestly seek him, who diligently seek him. So, I've told you before that Dr. Alan Coppage was my mentor at Asbury Seminary, and, and I was the editor for his book, or one of the editors for his book, and, and he never liked me as an editor because he just wanted me to correct grammar mistakes and, and, uh, and spelling mistakes, and I would give him suggestions on what to say, and he didn't, I was a little stunt-nosed seminarian that knew everything, you know, and tell him this PhD on, on what he needs to write, you know, and... So he wrote a book that he was going to title Roles of God. You know, God, throughout Scripture, God is a redeemer, God is a priest, God is a friend, God is a judge, God is a king, God is a father. And I suggested to him, I said, I don't like that word roles. Because, you know, when you play a role, that's kind of fake. I play a role. I said, I'm not sure that's a, the best word there. I suggested the title God is. Well, I didn't know anything, and I was way too cocky. shouldn't have even said that. And, but he eventually changed it because another professor told him, and that professor had a Ph.D. and had carried more weight than I did. And he changed it to portraits of God. And so God is all these things in Scripture, and he absolutely is. But one thing God is, is a rewarder. You cannot be serious about biblical study and not 
come to conclusion that God is a rewarder. We have that verse says that, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God is a rewarder. Now, some of you are too spiritual to be able to admit that because you think it's bad that, you know, I don't want to do it for the reward or heaven is good enough for me. And that's fine, but it's just, it's over and over in Scripture that God rewards those. God rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who diligently seek him. So there's one big overarching thing I want to say today. And I'm going to give you lots of examples of it, but there's one huge overarching thing that I want to say, and it's that God rewards those who seek him and not the reward. Scripture, say, scripture says that, 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 that he rewards those who honestly seek him. And that's a huge dividing line that we have in the evangelical church today. Because there are people who seek the reward, who seek the blessing and not the blessor. And Scripture says plainly that the reward goes to those who seek Him. The reward is a serendipity. You know what that means? It just comes along with it. It's like it just happens. It just comes along with it after you seek God. And God rewards those who seek Him and not the reward. Don't seek the blessing. Seek the blessor. Don't seek the gift. Seek the one who gives the gift. Without faith is it impossible to please God. And he rewards those who diligently, who earnestly seek him. God is a rewarder. That shows up in a whole lot of places in Scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Matthew 5, verse 12 says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I could take the next 20 minutes and just go verse by verse on all the rewards that are talked about in Scripture. Now, Scripture doesn't talk about what the reward will be. The Scripture does say there are five different crowns that we receive in heaven. I don't have time to go through all that. And I don't know what that means. You get a crown, I get a crown, we get different crowns. Look, my crown is bigger than Brian's. <laughs> now, that's not the way it's going to be. There are more jewels in my crown than there are in Josh's. Now, obviously, that's not what it's going to be. But the Bible talks about five different crowns that you'll receive. You go, go look that up on the Internet if you want to read about that. But it doesn't tell us, you know, so what do those crowns mean? Or is that the reward? Or is it something that the Bible does not say? And when the Bible doesn't speak, I shut up. God has chosen not to tell us that. But he tells us there are rewards. And those rewards come at the judgment seat. Not a heaven or hell type of judgment seat. It's called the Bema seat. It's the judgment seat of God that all believers will stand before God. Believers. That's not a heaven or hell type of thing, but it's on the type of life that you lived as a Christian. You will be rewarded on that. There's lots of places that that's talked about. Romans chapter 14 is one of those. The Bible says, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we're all going to stand before God's judgment seat. All believers, that's the context of this. Verse 11 says, As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. And 14.12 says, So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Not a heaven or hell judgment. Mark, what did you do with the gifts I gave you? 
Mark, you've been able to speak publicly since you were nine years old. What did you do with that? Susie, I gave you this gift of fill in the blank. What did you do with that? Johnny, I gave you this gift of what did you do with that? I gave you this gift of three children. What did you do? And we'll be judged on that. And that's where the rewards will be given out. And that's not a judgment like you'll be punished there. It's just some will get rewards, and the Bible says some won't. Now, what's that mean? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 speaks a little bit about this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things we've done in the body. whether those things were good or whether those things were bad. We're not judged by our works for a heaven or hell thing, but we are judged by the type of Christian life we lived if you're a believer. Verse 11 of, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is fascinating to me. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ. Jesus. So if you're trying to build a Christian house, you can't lay that foundation. That has been laid for you by your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now you build on that foundation. You build on that. But no one builds a house and put two befores first. They spend lots of time making sure the foundation is right. And that foundation is our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can't lay any other foundation by that. Well, I, 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 I went to church. I even taught Sunday school. That's my foundation. Sorry. You can't lay any other foundation. But you build on that foundation, verse 12. But you build on that foundation, and anyone who builds this on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, those are good. That's good stuff. But some people build on it with wood, hay, or straw. And verse 13 says, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, capital D, Judgment Day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up. And the gold and silver will go through the fire of the things that you did for God. It will test the quality of each person's work. And the quality is not that I did it better than you. It was your heart right. Was your motive pure. I'm not going to be judged because I wasn't as good a preacher as fill in the blank. That's not going to be. But I'm going to be judged if my heart was right in that preaching. Was I up here just for myself? Verse 14 carries right on that same thought. If what has been built survives the fire of the judgment, the builder will receive a reward. God is a rewarder. And he rewards those who seek him and not the reward. Now, what are the rewards, Mark? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say. There's one little bitty clue. I can say it, but it's not going to help you. Paul says he was called up into the third heaven. Does it, so that, does that mean there's a first heaven, second heaven, third heaven? It's the only place that's ever mentioned in Scripture. Paul says, I was called up into the third heaven. 
People have tried to explain what that is. Nobody knows what that is. I don't care how many letters you have behind your name. You don't know. It's just speculation. So is there a, a third heaven? It doesn't seem right to me because I'll be looking up there and be envious and jealous of all those people in the third heaven. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like heaven to me. So I don't know what that means. But the bottom line there is reward for the believers whose Christian lives have gone through the fire of the judgment, who, who, who built with precious metal, gold and silver, and not with wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and straw. So, but I can't, I can't answer, even though I can't answer what the reward is, because the Bible doesn't say, I can answer biblically what type of work, what type of effort, what type of Christian stuff will get rewarded. What will be rewarded? The Bible is very plain about that. So the overarching thing is that God is a rewarder, and he, he rewards those who seek him and not the reward. But so what kind of things as we seek him will be rewarded? God rewards religious acts done without pretense or show. Don't be scared of the word religion. Everybody tries to turn you off of the word religion. And, and I understand why they're doing that. But religion is a biblical word. James, James uses it. He talks about pure and undefiled religion. But a lot of people use, use religion as, as opposed to relationship. But those things should not be opposed because religion is relationship. But the religious acts that we do, the Christian stuff, the Christian things that we do will get rewarded if they're done without pretense or show if they're done with the right motive and if they're done with the right intent if they're not done if they're done to get a pat on the back i have my reward and you don't have to be too smart to say i'd rather have god reward me than human beings But everyone in here have seen people do something for the human reward. Nothing wrong with a, a name on a piano that it got donated by somebody. Nothing wrong with that unless that's the reason somebody donated the money. Nothing wrong with a church putting on there donated by John Doe or by Jane Doe. But if John Doe or Jane Doe gave the money to buy that so their name could be on the piano, it's wood, hay, and stubble. It's wood, hay, and stubble and won't make it. If they gave $10,000 to the church and said, here, this is part of our will or part of our estate, you do with it what you choose to do with it, I'm just giving this part of our estate to the Lord and then the church just chooses to buy a piano with it and they choose to put donated by John or Jane Doe, that can be done with a pure heart. But I don't give a million dollars to build a wing just so it'll be the Mark Atherton wing. That's wood, hay, and stubble. I don't care how much the building cost. God rewards religiosity. God rewards rewards religious acts <clears throat> that are done without pretense or show. Matthew 6, 1 is the first um, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Not the first part, the second chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is basically talking to believers, but there's a whole bunch of people joined in. And Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. 
It doesn't say, don't practice your righteousness in front of others, period. It doesn't say that. If that was true, how could we go to Eastern Kentucky and you got 19 people all there working together? We're practicing our righteousness in front of others. That's a bad thing to do. You should have gone by yourself so nobody could see you. No. Look at the verse. To be seen by them. It's motive. It's intent. Why did you do that? Whatever the practices of righteousness could be. I mean... Matthew's going to give about three of them here, but it could be a whole list, list of things. Why did you do them? If you did them to be seen by men, it's wood, hay, and stubble. It won't make it through the fire of judgment day. And if you do that to be seen by others, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, I don't think that means that you're going to get punished on judgment day. I just think you ain't getting a reward. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean that, you know, there's punishment there. It just, you didn't get the reward. Whatever the reward is, I have no clue what the reward is. You just didn't get it. It's, it's plain. You don't have a Master of Divinity degree to say that. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 3 of Matthew 6 says, But when you give to the needy, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing I, you know, that, that, just, that just means you just do it automatically it's, you don't have to think about it, you just give you just don't you know, think about it and process it and talk about it no, you don't let you, just do it, just do it as part of who you are as a Christian the next verse says so that your giving may be done in secret then your father who sees what you'll do in secret will reward you Sees what is done in secret. It's motive. It, it's, it's not wrong if this happens, but it's wrong if this is why you did it. This may happen. Someone may thank you or compliment you for your religious act. You can't help that. But if that thank you or that pat on the back is why you did it, that's the problem. That's the problem. God rewards those who do what they do in secret and don't give a rip if anybody saw it or not. And in 28 years of ministry, I, had a whole, I have had a whole lot of people come up to me and they tell me all the good things they did that week. Why do they do that? So seriously, why do they do that? I mean, I don't know. Verse 6 says, and when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Well, some people that are very, very literal in their interpretation of the Bible, that means you shouldn't have any public pr prayer in service. You know, when I get up here and pray publicly, or when Tiffany prayed publicly, or Josh prayed to start the service, well, you can't do that because Matthew 6.6. 6. It's about motive. It's about intent. Why did you pray? If it was to be heard and everybody can, would think how spiritual you are, you've got your reward. 
If it's to lead other people and help bring them into the presence of God, that's a completely different thing. That's a completely different thing. I'm trying to tell you this morning that God is a rewarder, and he rewards those who seek him and not the reward. And one of the things you do to get a reward is to do your religious stuff, your churchy stuff, your Christian stuff, your spiritual stuff without pretense or show, with a pure heart. And when you fast, verse 17 says, it says, it says, get cleaned up, man. Put some perfume on. Slick that hair back, man. Don't come in here, oh, I haven't eaten for 30 days. I'm suffering for the Lord. <laughs> Put some oil on your head, man. Wash your face. And present day says, "Put that makeup on, girl." Verse 18 says, "So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting." I'll put it on Facebook. I'm going on a 30-day fast. It's pretty tough, but I'm hanging in there. <laughs> it's like them people take selfies all the time and put it on Facebook. You explain that to me. Oh, girl, you're hot, man. <laughs> What's that all about? To be seen by them. What's the motive? What's the intent? Your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Will reward you. So I'm trying to tell you today that God is a rewarder, and he rewards those who seek him and not the reward. That's a big overarching thing. If, you, if we have a test at the end of this subject today, at the end of the sermon today, and I ask you what, what, what was the sermon about, it would be that God is a rewarder, and he, seeks those who, uh, and he rewards those who seek him and not the reward. He, he rewards those who, who seek the blessor and not the blessing. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But then what things, what religious stuff, what church stuff, what Christian stuff gets rewarded? Religious acts without pretense or show. Also, the Bible plainly says, plainly says that God will be, well, God will reward those who get mocked for the name of Christ. Nobody said amen on that, Harold. What's the problem with that? <laughs> now, the point of this is not to go out and do something stupid and get mocked. That's not the point of this. The point of this, if you take a stand for Jesus among your peer group and you get mocked, insulted, or people laugh at you, great is your reward in heaven. If you take a stand for Jesus in the break room and the people roll their eyes at you, call you sanctimonious. Now, you can do that in a good way, but you also can do that in a sanctimonious way. You know what I mean by that? Don't do it in a sanctimonious way. Don't do it like you're God's gift to Christianity. God will reward those who are mocked. Mr. Boss, um, I really like this job, but um, 
I go to church on Sundays. I appreciate it if you're going to schedule me on Sunday that it'll be after church is over. Are you one of those holy roller type of guys? Come on, man. Well, I, you know, I just really appreciate it. Come on, man. Right, you're, one of those, you're one of those types, huh? You're one of them born again, huh? Great is your reward in heaven. Luke chapter 6, verse 22 is just one place that talks about this in Scripture. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you. Has anyone ever been excluded because you're a Christian? They don't invite Jeff Blackaby to, to those kind of parties anymore because, you know, he doesn't drink and he doesn't, you know, cut up that way anymore. You know, they exclude him. They exclude him. Nobody likes to be excluded. Nobody likes to be excluded. But if you're excluded for Jesus' sake and your heart is right on that, great is your reward in heaven. Blessed are those, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you and reject your name as evil because of Jesus. Now don't go out and try to be mocked. Don't go out and try to be insulted. It's not at all what we're talking about. But just in the natural course of you living and living out your Christian life and walking with Jesus, if the world looks at you and rolls their eyes great is your reward in heaven you give how much money to the church all they want your money right verse 23 says rejoice in that day that you're mocked insulted or hated rejoice in that day and leap for joy how many have been leaping lately leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that's the way that the that for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. A little farther down in Hebrews, we'll get to this sooner or later. It says in verse twenty-four of Hebrews eleven, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I don't have if you don't know that story, I don't have time to go into it. But he could have been the prince of Egypt. It's a marvelous story. Read about it. Could have been the prince of Egypt. But he refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, verse 25. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26 says, He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Any of, you, any of you remember Vestal Goodman? Looking for a city. I need a big beehive to be able to sing that, don't I? Now, about two-thirds of you have no clue what I'm talking about right now. Don't even have any idea what a beehive is, do you? Don't know. Don't, don't put your hair in a beehive. Don't, let's, let's, we're done with those days, okay? Hey, I've tried to tell you that God is a rewarder. And he rewards those who seek him and not the reward. The type of religious acts that get rewarded are the ones that are done without any show or pretense. 
But you also get rewarded when you get mocked for Jesus' name. Not just mocked. You get mocked for Jesus' name. You get mocked for living the Christian life. You get mocked for working out the Christian life. Not just mocked for mock, can sake. And finally, one more thing. What will be rewarded? God says, if you're a plumber and you do a good job and you do that as to the Lord, a plumber's going to get rewarded for being a good plumber. If you're an electrician and you do that as working to the Lord, you're going to be rewarded for being a good electrician. Can you imagine that? God rewards plumbers. You can say, well, I can understand God rewarding, rewarding preachers or missionaries. God rewards plumbers, electricians. He'll reward our earthly labor if we see our earthly labor as service to God. Well, where do you find that, Mark? Well, it's in Colossians 3. It's plain as the nose on your face. Whatever you do, whatever, pl only plumber and electricians, whatever you do, whatever you do. Let me convict you real second and convict me too. The way you drive your car on 70, okay? Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for your boss. I've said this before. My dad worked six to three at Kroger's. Meat cutter. He punched in at six o'clock. He didn't punch in at 6.06. He punched in at six. He punched out at 3. He didn't punch out at 2.55. Because he saw that as working out his Christianity. And everybody else, me included, who worked at Kroger's, we just skated by all the rules and all that kind of stuff. My dad didn't. And you know what? They talked about dad behind his back. Great is his reward in heaven. They're not mocking him now. Verse 24 of Colossians 3. Talking about working to the Lord with all your heart. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I, I get that when I'm teaching Sunday school. or No, when you're an electrician or you're a plumber or you're an engineer or you're a teacher or you're whatever you do. Ephesians chapter 5 says, slaves, don't let that word freak you out. It's not, it wasn't a slavery depending on the color of your skin. Just anybody who was an employee at that time was called a slave. Their, their, their bosses were masters. Don't let that freak you out. Don't, 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 don't think that means the Bible justifies slavery. What poor biblical exegesis that is. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. 
Verse 6 says, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Verse 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not your boss. Verse 8 says, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. This is good preaching, even if I have to say amen myself. I'm trying to tell you that God is a rewarder. And he rewards those who seek him and not the reward. Those who do their religious acts without show or pretense, who do it in secret, who go into the closet and where no one else can see because of God sees in secret and God will reward. God rewards those who, who are mocked, insulted, excluded for Christ. Not if you try to get excluded because you're just super duper saint. Does that, as, you, as you normally work out your Christian life, if someone rolls their eyes at you and calls you a holy roller, calls you one of them born-again types, calls you one of them, oh, you go to church, don't you? Praise your reward in heaven. And even plumbers and electricians, or whatever you do, mother, father, the raising of those three kids, there are great rewards for that. Abraham was told to go off to another country and follow God even though he didn't know where he was going. Genesis 15, chapter 1 says this, And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram before his name was changed to Abraham and says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. I'm trying to tell you God is a rewarder. And I can't preach Hebrews chapter 11 without saying that. So I close the way I started. God rewards those who seek him and not the reward. And Eric, go back to 1 Corinthians 3 where it talks about the foundation that is laid. And one of the reasons we serve communion at end, end of every service is because that's the foundation. It all flows from that. You can't lay any other foundation than what has been laid for you. And it's been, it's been, the gift has been given to you. You have faith and trust, and there's a firm foundation. firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Now you build on that. But that foundation starts in what these two tables represent. That's where it starts. And so that's why we serve communion every Sunday, to remind me and to remind you every week, here's where your righteousness is. Here's where your righteousness and what this represents. It's obviously not in the bread. It's not in the wafer and the grape juice. Come on. It's in what it represents and it represents the body and blood of Jesus. You build on that, and hopefully you build on that with gold and precious metals and silver and not with wood, hay, and stubble because that's going to get burned up 
and there will be no reward for that. Our servers are coming to the table. Father, you are a judge, you are a king, you are a priest, you are a redeemer, you are a friend, you are a father, but you are a rewarder as well. Help us to seek you and not the reward. And if we get a reward from you, it's just the natural consequence of living a life pleasing to you. And there's no way we please you except by faith. In your son Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Our tables are open. Our altars are open for prayer. Let's continue to worship him, please.